Hey, welcome to Community Church. We are live on yet another Sunday here to worship God. I want you to imagine all over the earth, all over the earth, there are places where Christians are gathering. And Jesus said, where two or three gather in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And that means literally thousands upon thousands of households could be today, this morning, uh, a place where the presence and hev- of heaven on earth touches, right where you are, right in your home. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to worship. But I want you to picture this, that tens of thousands of homes across even just Alberta and Parkland County, there's a, a, a presence, an atmosphere, a mist of the glory of God coming into the realm of the earth. So, Father, we pray in Jesus' name that wherever believers are gathered today, wherever wherever we sit, wherever we stand, wherever we dance, wherever we sing, wherever we release our hearts to you, that the kingdom of God would begin to come. Father, we say let faith be released in every household in Jesus' name. Worship with us this morning as we exalt the name of God. A few years ago, there was a movie that came out about a Santa Claus, and and they were talking about his sled and, and of course, all the paraphernalia dealing with traditional Christmas songs and Santa Claus themes and the rest of that. But it said that faith was the main ingredient and that Santa Claus couldn't even fly with his reindeer anymore because people didn't believe. And the whole thing was that faith empowered things to happen. Now, it's a cheesy Christmas traditional kind of a thing, Santa Clausy, but there's a principle there that's so real. Faith is what causes the kingdom of heaven to come down. Faith is what unlocks the power of God's hand in our lives. Faith is what causes the blessing of God to fall upon a city, a province, a state, or a nation. Faith, faith, faith. It says, I believe in God. When you begin to really believe, you reach past the curtain of natural supply. You reach past the curtain uh, out of the realm of human strength into that ethereal, into that invisible, into that supernatural realm where God exists. We believe in you today, God. Father, let faith ignite in a new way in every household across this land. Oh, God. You're the God of miracles. So today, we have an opportunity to hear from a friend of ours. And I believe he's going to release a word that's, that's going to ignite faith. I believe it's going, to, it's going to inspire you to believe. You know, one of the passages I've, I've always, I've loved it, but I've been kind of confused about it in some sense. It says, every good and perfect gift comes from above. And I've begun to see this because... Everything that we do, everything that we are, actually stems from who he is. And I, I remember thinking, well, is this sort of a, you know, he just starts the, the motor and then the motor runs? But I began to realize increasingly in my life that, no, there is power 
that's necessary for everything to exist and everything that continues to work and everything that continues to function, the foundations of nations, economies, the blessing, the agriculture, the weather, everything that makes life possible is literally minute by minute sustained by the breath and sustenance of God. And faith unlocks the power of that. What if your destiny, what if your ability to make it in this world wasn't in your strength, wasn't in how you diligent you were, but what if it was connected to whether you drew upon an endless eternal power that resides with God and God alone? That's the reality that we live in. So our friend Steve Holmstrom is going to be coming up right away, and I'm going to bless him to to, to be with us. I'm just going to wipe down the mic here just so that he has a a fresh, germless... uh, thing to use, but uh, Steve Holmstrom is a friend of ours. You might know him already. Some of you might be following his ministry. Anyway, we just want to release him. Steve, take your liberty. We love you in this house. You're a friend of the the ministry, and uh, we're delighted to have you here. Thanks, Mark. Praise the Lord. Wow, this is a very new experience. Now, I'm I'm used to preaching to a video camera. I've been doing this for a little while, but I don't usually have a full worship band. So this is, uh, this is extra special. I started uh, a few years ago uh, uh, ministering. Uh, uh, I mean, I traveled itinerant long before that, but I started preaching to a video camera. A f- friend of mine convinced me. He said, Steve, a lot of the people in the oil patch, I, wor- I have an oil field service company. Many of them don't get out to church often. Said, you got to start making some messages that can get out to these people. So we started uh, our ministry, which is a website called oilpatchpulpit.com. And I started preaching to a video camera, very uncomfortable the first few times. In fact, if you go back and you watch episode one and two, you can see I'm just sweating there looking at this camera. I left them on there just for fun. But uh, now we have over 100 uh, messages. Sometimes it's me preaching at a church, but sometimes it's just me out in the bush. Uh, hey, I got a Bible verse for you, preaching to a video camera. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable instead of in front of a camera, but uh, this is the first time I've ever had a full band. So uh, thank you. What a wonderful worship. Uh, that was wonderful. Just uh, such a blessing. And, uh, and it's an honor to be here uh, with the uh, whatever eight people that are in the room. It's nice to have a little bit of a live audience, a few eyeballs to look at. Now, when I say I need an amen, I expect to hear eight really loud amens, you know, because you're making up for the uh, 200 people who are, uh, are, uh, are not here. But uh, we just want to welcome those who are watching online. God bless you. Hope that you'll take a minute just to click share, get the message out there. I think this is going to be a message that's going to really bring life to people. It's going to be strength to people. It's going to be a blessing to you. Uh, it's really for this time. And I want you to know that you were created for this moment. You were created for this moment right now. You might think, man, this is a really tough moment in my life. This is the worst week of my life. I just got fired, Steve. I just got laid off from work. Or, uh, uh, you, know, or, or, you know, maybe you own a business. You know, I know this is really tough for a lot of business owners. You know, there's some employees who are actually kind of excited. I got sent home and I'm actually making lots of money. They, you know, they're giving me lots. But there's many business owners who are really struggling right now because uh, you've been told to shut the doors and you need to make money this week because it still costs you a hundred grand a month to run that business and you don't know how you're going to do it. I want you to know you were made for this moment. 
The Bible says in Acts 17, uh, I think it started around verse 24, it says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth, and He doesn't live in temples built by hands. And He's not served by human hands as if He needed anything, because He Himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. Listen to this. From one man, He made every nation of men, and he did, and, and that they would fill the whole earth, and he determined the time set for them and the exact place where they should live. I want to repeat that. God determined, let me personalize this, God determined the time set for you and the exact place where you should live. You say, God put me in this mess? Yes. God knew this was going to happen? Yes. He knew you were going to be in this mess right now. He determined this time and this place. And then it says, He determined the time set for them, the exact places where they should live. Why? So that men would seek Him. Let me tell you something. Why God put me in this mess? So that you would seek Him. And then it says, And perhaps reach out for Him and find Him. Though he's not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. I want to tell you something. You were made for this moment like Daniel was made for the lion's den. And if you ask Daniel on the day he was getting thrown in, is this a good day? He might have had his doubts. But if you ask him now, after the fact, he'll say, that was the best day of my life. It was the best day. Let me tell you something. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they were being tossed in the fire, they might have thought it was a bad day. It was the best day of their life. And I want you to know, some of you watching right now, you feel like this is the worst thing that ever happened to you, and you don't realize this is the best thing that's ever happened to you because you don't see Jesus until you get into the fire. You don't get an angel until you've got a lion growling at you. That's when you see the greatest miracles. And I believe that we are honored to live in this time right now. Right now because we are living in a time where people are going to see miracles like nothing we have ever seen like nothing our parents have ever seen like nothing our grandparents have ever seen this is a time of breakthrough for those who position themselves for breakthrough for breakthrough and uh, and i want to talk today uh, I don't usually preach on money. I preach on the kingdom. I love the message of the kingdom. It's the main message that I carry. But when I was preparing for this, uh, this, this week, I felt the Lord saying, Steve, I want you to talk about money. And he's been kind of pushing me on this for a few years. Uh, of, of, um, if you knew me 16 years ago, uh, you'd know that I was the last person on earth who would be uh, least likely person to ever preach on money. The only thing I knew about money was how to spend too much of it. <laughs> I bought a $31,000 Harley Davidson when I wasn't even making $30,000 a year. I knew how to rack up credit cards. That's all I knew, you know, but, um, but I'll tell you something over the last uh, 15 years as the Lord took me into business, which I didn't want to do. I was, I didn't feel very, I've never felt very smart business wise. I still don't feel all that brilliant that way. Uh, but the Lord kind of uh, drug me kicking and screaming into the business world and he spoke to me uh, in 2005, which seems like yesterday, but that was just, um, that was already 15 years ago. He spoke to me and he said, Steve, if you do what I tell you to do, you'll be a millionaire in five years. And, uh, and I knew it was the Lord, uh, but it seemed like a little bit of an outrageous thing for him to say because I literally was broke. 
Uh, we were in debt and credit cards. I knew nothing about business. Uh, I was a, I loved Jesus. I loved to minister. That's all I loved to do. I was a preacher, and but financially things were falling apart. I couldn't pay my bills. I had to get a job. To me, I was so depressed. I, I it was this, the worst season of my life. So I thought. But God said, if you just do what I tell you to do, I'm going to teach you some things. And one day, I'm going to get you to teach other people these things. And so I've been hiding some of these things away in my heart. And uh, some of them are very practical. Uh, but I want to talk about a couple keys for financial breakthrough today. I want to talk, uh, I'm titling this message, um, I'm calling this one, uh, Prospering in a Time of Famine. And, uh, and I want to talk about, uh, if I had more time, I'd go into loss, but I want to talk about primarily two keys that have been a real help to me. And, uh, and I know during, during recession, and I've been through 15 years now in the oil patch, we've seen a few recessions. I've had a few encounters where I just about lost everything. And, uh, and through this, I've seen God be faithful through the most difficult times. And uh, I want to share a couple of very important keys with you today. The first, um, the first one, and if you want, if you got a Bible, you can turn to, or if you got a phone that you can go on, look at Luke twelve forty eight. I want to talk about obedience, uh, primarily as it pertains to stewardship. Stewardship. Luke twelve forty eight. This was right back in the very beginning, two thousand and five, two thousand and six. The Lord really started pressing this scripture. He said. Do what I tell you to do. You're gonna, you, you'll be shocked what will happen if you'll just do what I tell you to do. This is one of the first things he began to press on me was this idea of stewardship. And Luke 12, 48, it says this. It says, from everyone who has been given much, much will be expected. But from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. I want to say that again. From everyone who has been given much, say given, much will be expected. But from the one, now I want you to also notice, it says everyone, and then it says the one. There's a big group who fall into this category. It's a very small group that fall into this category. But there's two different types of believers when it comes to money. From everyone who has been given much, much will be expected. But from to the, to the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. And what the Lord began to show me is there's a difference between being given something and entrusted with something. Did you know that? If I give you $1,000, it's yours. You can do whatever, anything you want with it. If I entrust you with $1,000, you don't get to do whatever you want with it. It's still mine, but you're a manager. You're a steward. All right? You see the difference? And many people, and it's your choice, you get to decide, oh, will I position myself as an owner of that which is given to me, or will I position myself as a steward? And he says, if you're an owner, and many people take this approach, and that's okay, that's fine. God says, to those who have been given much, much will be asked, which means he still asks for something back. And for that, for me, that was me for the first I don't know, 30 years of my life. I, I received, I saw it as mine, but I always gave back. Many people say, well, I give 10%. So did I. That's how I saw it. I, here's I, 90 for me, 10 for you. It seems like a good deal. <laughs> but the Lord began to speak to me, and he said, how would you like to step into another dimension? How would you like to step into what's called stewardship, Steve? Now, here's the thing about stewardship 
when you become a steward, he actually asks for more, not less. You see, the Bible says that, that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom. That's not talking about heaven. That's talking about living the kingdom life, living a, a miracle-filled, powerful life in this earth. And God began to invite me to take things up a notch. And so I remember this day I said, okay, Lord, from now on, I, 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 from now on, I actually wrote it on a piece of paper, and I, me and my wife even signed. We said a little prayer, we signed it. We made a little ceremony out of it. We said, from this day forward, and we wrote the date, everything we have belongs to you. We give you 100%. It was really easy to say. It was really easy to sign my name. But you know what happened was, it was just after that, the Lord began to speak to me. I'll tell you something, when you say, God, everything I have is yours, he'll begin talking to you, and that's when the testing began. And I remember he began to say, okay, well, everything I have is mine, then I want you to do this. And I said, oh, that's more than 10%. <laughs> and I want you to do this. I remember one time he spoke to me. I got a phone call from my uncle, and he said, your, your great aunt passed away. And I never... Uh, to be honest, I never connected with her. I never really liked her, just to be honest. And, and she didn't like me either, to be honest. She really didn't like me. And, and he said, your great aunt passed away, uh, but I just wanted you to know I'm, I'm, I'm overlook, overseeing the will, and you're in the will. I thought, wow, I, I thought she hated me, you know. But uh, I, I said, great, how much do I get? She's like, oh, I don't know, but, you know, we'll have it worked out here. It could take a few months, but you're in the will. I'm like, okay, super. So I hung up the phone, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, Steve, I want you to give all that money to missions in Africa. And I said, okay, Lord. I figured it couldn't be very much anyway. She didn't like me. I told my wife, the Lord, the Lord spoke to me and said to give, told her what, and she said, okay, yeah, whatever. You know, she didn't even know this aunt, you know. And so uh, it was about six months later, and we were in a bit of a tougher financial place at this time that I got a phone call from my uncle, and he said, hey, li listen, all the money's done. We're, I'm sending you a check. I'm like, how much did she leave me anyway? He said, actually, she left you $25,000. I remember, oh, man, did that ever hurt. It was, I felt like someone punched me in the gut. I already, if, I, if I hadn't told my wife, I wouldn't have a witness. I told my wife, I said, hey, did you remember that money? She said, yeah. I said, she left me $25,000. And my wife said, are you sure that was God? <laughs> you ever have one of those moments that couldn't have, that must have been the devil. Because, you know, he's really into missions in Ethiopia. And I'll tell you something, that was a hard one, you know. But I remember we wrote that check, you know, and said, Lord, everything we have is yours. I remember going into a, a, a store one time trying to buy some, by now God. And by the way, I'll tell you this, when I, gave, when I wrote that, signed it over, we had a few ups and downs. But it just started going up and up. My, financially, things began to take off. And the, but I had to be obedient. Before that, I did just kind of did whatever I wanted with about 90% of my money. After that, it was, it was very different. Before that, I tipped whatever I wanted. After that, I'd ask the Lord, how much do you want me to give? How much? I remember one time going into a store, and I, there were some earbuds that I wanted to buy. They were like $300 wireless, really fancy earplugs. And, and I saw them, and I'm like, man, those are cool. That's what I want. And so I'm walking up to the counter. Uh, to buy them, and the Holy Spirit speaks to my heart, and he says, uh, no, I don't want to spend $300 on earbuds. And, and I said, well, yeah, we can do it. We can afford it. And uh, the Lord said, uh, well, no, actually, you can't. <laughs> you don't have any money. This is my money, and I'm not buying them. And I really like these things. I really wanted them. And I'm thinking, like, we, like we had had a phenomenal month that month. We made uh, more money than I, we had ever made 
that month. And I remember saying, Lord, we can afford this. I know I can afford this. I promise you we can handle the 300 bucks. And he said, you have nothing, and I'm not buying them for you. And I said, yes, you are. <laughs> and I stayed in line. And then I stood in line, and one person left, and I got closer to the front, and me and him are having this little chit-chat. In our, you know, and this is not audible. I'm, I'm like you. I hear the Holy Spirit down here, but I know it's him. And finally, I get to the front of the counter and front of the till, and I hand the guy my visa. And just as he takes it and he's about to swipe it, the Holy Spirit says to me, Steve, you almost always obey me when it comes to money, and that's why I bless you. But you're really going to regret this. And at that moment, I grabbed my visa out of his hand. I just snapped it out, and I said, wait a minute. I need to rethink this. <laughs> I just need to think about this purchase. And he's like, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. I walked out. As I'm walking out of the store, this woman saw, who was in the mall, she saw me, and she said, you are Steve Holmstrom. I knew that was you. She said, I was heard you preach last week. You were talking about obedience. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> yes, that's me. You know, and I told her the story. We had a good laugh. But I remember as God continued to prosper us and began to trust us with more, but the, it, it, it seemed like even not only giving, and sowing, but it was also even, uh, well, he, sometimes he would tell me not to give. I remember God, people phoning me up saying, hey, I want to do this. Would you, would you support me? Or I want to go on this mission trip. And before that, I just love, I just give to anyone, you know, anytime. It was just, you know, we got lots, and so we would give. But the Lord began to speak to me and say, no, I'm not focusing on that. I remember one time a guy phoned up and said, hey, I'm running for mayor, and would you support me? And, but he was a friend of mine, so I said, of course I will. Come by my house. I'll give you a thousand bucks. As soon as I hung up the phone, the Holy Spirit rebuked me, and he said, why do you do that? You act like you're so generous, but you don't have any money. You're wasting my money. And, I, and he, furthermore, he's not going to be mayor. <laughs> I said, well, what do I do now? And he said, well, you already promised it, so give it. But stop doing that. Stop acting like it's yours. You are a steward. And I, pr I promise you, you give God everything, he will begin to test you. I remember one time I was standing in a store. I went, and I always wanted one of those Breitling watches. But they're like $8,000, you know. But I'd been trying it on for years. I'd be going in, and every time I'd go to the mall, I'd try on this beautiful with the blue blue leather band, like $8,000 watch. Of course, I knew I couldn't afford it in the early days, but God, as he prospered us more and more, we got to the place where I could absolutely afford this watch. And I remember one day I'm standing there, and I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, you know what? I think today is the day. And the Holy Spirit said, not a hope. There is not a chance I'm going to spend $8,000 on you for a watch. And I said, I'm, I'm wrestling with the Lord. I'm like, last week, I mean, just like literally a week before, God had told me to give $10,000 to a guy I didn't even like. And I, and I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't like him. I know you don't even like him. How, you know what? I obeyed the Lord. So now here I am standing here looking at a watch, and I'm going, God, you make me do this and this and this. Certainly, and he said, there's not a chance on earth. But I'll tell you something, when you step into stewardship, I promise you this, he begins to trust you with more, but then he begins to ask more. Those who have been given much, much will be required. But to the one or to the few, because I want to prophesy right now, someone watching right now, you are going to take a leap into stewardship today, and in the name of Jesus, you're going to see explosive growth in your life. But I'll tell you something, you're going to have to start praying about earbuds.
and you never had to pray about some of that little stuff before. There'll be times where you just go to buy a shirt and, 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 and something in your heart will just say no. And I'm not saying you live a life of poverty. I'm blessed. I live in a beautiful home. I drive a nice vehicle. But I'll tell you something. You feel it down in here. This is where the Holy Spirit leads you, through your spirit. And he'll begin to speak to you and he'll say, no, I'm not buying that for you. And sometimes it's just a test. I remember after the earbuds, I, he said no. And I, I walked down through the mall and and uh, I looked into the Sony store, and I saw, you know, those cheap ones for ten, 20 bucks. And he said, I'll buy you a pair of those. <laughs> oh, how generous of you. <laughs> so I bought them. And you know what? I still use those, those earbuds and that style. But you know what? I, I've come to believe that maybe God is saving my brain by not using all of those little Wi-Fi signals going through my brain all the time. So who knows? Maybe he was saving me. But I'll tell you something. Prospering in the time of famine is making a switch into stewardship and i don't think it's too late for you you say things are falling apart well you know what right now might be a good time for you to say jesus out from this day forward everything i have is yours and i'll promise you you know what uh, uh, the devil can steal steal your stuff but he can't steal god's stuff you know what you know what the great thing about the fact that i don't have 90 percent anymore everything i have is his i just whatever i just say lord whatever you want to do whatever you say i'll do it if you tell me to write a check i don't even have to like the ministry i don't even have to like the person i'll do what you tell me to do but the nice thing is everything i have is his if 90 percent is mine the devil can steal 90 percent. but if everything i have is his well guess what the devil can't steal god's stuff and so stewardship is one of the greatest keys i know and so step into that. 1 Corinthians 4, 2 says, Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. And so uh, you can be sure that if you make that switch, he will test you. He will speak to you. And, and the real key, it's not generosity. The key is obedience. Generosity, people can be so generous, generous that they'll, they'll, they'll give themselves into poverty. People say, you can't outgive God. That's not true. I know plenty of people who have done it. <laughs> Just give when God's not telling you to give. He feels no obligation to rescue stupid. But I'll tell you something. You need to learn to obey him. But when you become a steward, he speaks louder than you'd think. Hallelujah. The second thing, and, the, and this is the second point, the last point I want to share today, is the, the, the revelation. And many of you have heard this so many times that you're, you have a hard time hearing it, but I pray that you will hear it one more time so that you might be willing to do it. You know, it's not what, you know, people often think that the real revelation that's going to change my life is something that I don't know. Usually the revelation that will change your life is something you already know, but you're not doing. All right. I want to talk about pointing your mouth in the right direction. You know, people say, are you talking about that, you know, positive declaration stuff? Yes, I am. Well, I have heard, heard that sermon, and you know what? I'm still broke. Well, <laughs> maybe you need to hear it again. Maybe you need to hear it again, and maybe you want to need to do it. The Bible says in James chapter 3, verse 2, it says, When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Think about that for a second. Giant horse, big muscles. You couldn't move a horse. You'd bang your, you run as hard as you can up against a horse and hit it. That thing is not even going to budge. But if you can get a hold of his mouth, you have total control of that animal. I wonder who the first person was to figure that out. How long were they riding horses? 
before the, you know, trying to hit them, yelling at them, screaming at them, cussing at them, trying to get them to turn right, but they wouldn't turn right, trying to get them to turn left, they wouldn't turn left. And then somebody thought, I wonder if I got a hold of that thing's mouth. I wonder if I could control this thing. And sure enough, you can control that beast if you can get a hold of his mouth. And I want to tell you something. Satan can control your life if he can get a hold of your mouth. And he has figured it out. And there are many Christians who they're struggling with this and they don't know why. And they're struggling with that and they don't know why. And they, they can't get their breakthrough and they don't know why. And the reason is because the devil has your mouth. And as soon as long as the devil has your mouth, your life is in trouble. He says, let's go on. He says, when you put bits into the mouths of horses so that we, we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they will, why don't I just read it? (laughs) When we put bits into the mouths of horses so that uh, to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. And then he says, or take ships as an example, although they're driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Think about that. Giant ship blown by mighty winds, but yet the ship's direction is not determined by the direction of the wind. The ship's direction is determined by this tiny little rudder. And he says, it's the same thing with your tongues. He says, likewise, the tongue also. It's a small part of your body, but it makes great boasts. In other words, it's a small part of your body, but it is steering everything. Your life now is where it's at because your mouth got you here. And your life will be in 10 years from now where your mouth takes you. He goes on to say, uh, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a tiny spark. You think a little kid playing with a match, that couldn't light a big, you couldn't burn down a big forest with a little match, could you? With a, you know, a little kid. I'll tell you something, you don't have to have a big spark to make a big mess. And you know what? He, he says, what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire. It's a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of a person's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Friends, I want you to know, if you're going through hell, your mouth is a big part of the reason why. Your mouth can start fires in your life that the rest of your family, that the rest of your, your staff, the rest of the people around, they're constantly trying to put out the fires in your life, and you just keep lighting new fires. We absolutely have to guard our lips, and when we get our mouths pointed in a new direction, our lives will naturally follow. You know, one of the problems with this generation is this generation hasn't listened to enough Kenneth Hagin. <laughs> I don't know if you, you need to, if you don't know who that is, you need to get on Google. You need to watch some YouTube videos. But, you know, Kenneth, he used to preach. He used to say, you know, you, you will get what you say. And, and, and people used to get mad. Well, you blab it and grab it and name it and claim it. And you know what? You can call it whatever you want. But the reality is he didn't say it. Jesus said it. Jesus said, you, you know, your mouth you know, this is Mark eleven twenty three. He says, whoever you say to this mountain, whoever says to this mountain, go. Throw yourself in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen. It will be done for him. Jesus said that, not Hagen. Jesus said that. Friend, many people think that you're going to get what you pray. I'll tell you something. You're going to get what you say. 
You can pray one thing, but if you're saying something else, you're going to get what you're saying. Your tongue is going to point you in a whole different direction. You pray, God, help me. God, rescue me. I need a job. I need a breakthrough. I don't know how I'm going to pay the rent. Please help me. But then you walk around saying, man, we're never going to make it. You know, this is going to crush us. This economic time is going to ruin our business. I promise you that's exactly what's going to happen. What you say is going to lead you. A lot of people right now all over the earth, you listen to uh, messages. People are preaching more than any other passage, Psalm 91, and on purpose, because we need a lot of Psalm 91 right now. the, The Lord is speaking Psalm 91 over the whole earth. And I I would encourage you to memorize and meditate on Psalm 91. But you know what I haven't heard anybody point out yet in Psalm 91 is one little word right in the middle of the passage, almost dead center in the middle of the passage, is the word if. We we like the promises of Psalm 91 and, and, and the deliverance and the protection. It's a psalm filled with protection. But in the middle of that psalm, there's a word If and the whole psalm and all the protection that God is promising is totally hinging on one thing, on one condition, one giant if. Have you noticed what that is? He starts by saying, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely, I know there's a woman named Shirley watching right now. I'm just prophesying this passage over you. Surely, He will save you from the fowler's snare and the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers. You say, feathers, what's that? I didn't know God had feathers. He's talking about angels. You need angels in your life. You need protection of angels. He said He'll cover you with His feathers. Under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday, nor the coronavirus that comes sweeping through your nation. But you, a thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Now, are you ready for it? Here's the if, if, if. This is Psalm 91, verse 9. If you say, if you say, does it matter what I say? Does it matter what's coming out of my mouth? Absolutely. If you say, the Lord is my refuge. I don't care where you're watching from right now. You may be sitting in your living room. You may be sitting on a toilet watching on your phone. But I want you to shout this right now. The Lord is my refuge. If you say, see, all of these promises, all of these conditions are hinging upon whether or not you will get your mouth going in the right direction. He says, if you say the Lord is my refuge, if you make the most high your dwelling place, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. He'll command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They'll lift you up in their hands so that you don't strike your foot against a stone. Man, I'll tell you something. All of these things, all of these promises... All of these protections hang on one hook. If you say, the Lord is my refuge. And friend, I want to tell you, as you're walking around right now, or you go to the grocery store, or wherever you are, and people are just absolutely running away from you in fear. I went into a gas station some, the other day. Someone looked at me like I had some horrible disease. You know, they're just... Let me tell you something. You, you know, d- 
protect, you know, respect people's space right now. They need that. You know, people are terrified. You know, you know, if somebody needs a hug and they come for it, you know, they're going to get it from me. But, you know, I just try to protect people's space, you know. But I'll tell you something. I don't have any fear whatsoever because I walk around saying, the Lord is my refuge. The Lord is my refuge. I put a bloodline of protection around my family in the name of Jesus Christ. I put a bloodline of protection around my business, around my staff, a wall of fire. A ring of fire. The Lord is my refuge. It ain't coming near me. I'm not afraid of the flu. I'm not afraid. I'm not, I don't even receive the flu. I don't receive headaches. Never mind coronaviruses. And friend, I'll tell you something. You begin to speak the word of the Lord over yourself. You can say, you know what? I'm not participating in this recession. People say, how are you doing, Steve? You run an oil field company. All your business must be. I say, I'm not participating in the recession. I'm not participating in the fear. I'm not participating in any of it. The Lord is my refuge. Jesus is my very best friend. He always comes through for me. They say, well, that sounds pretty bold. You know, you, you, let me tell you something. I haven't, the last time I worried about money was about, I think it was around 2008. I'm going to tell you a story, and then, then I'm done. It was around 2008. I was terrified. I was crying. Remember, it was after this that I said, you know what? I'll never worry about money again, and I haven't. That doesn't mean I haven't gone through challenges, but I sleep like a baby because I know he always comes through for me. But it was back in, uh, I think it was around 2008. We were just starting to take off in business. God was blessing us. I remember we were, uh, you know, we were still a small company, but we were making about $2,000 a day. And uh, it was only costing me $1,000 a day to run my company. And so, you know, you do the math. It's good. I was making 1000 bucks a day. Well, I never made $30,000 $30, a month in my life. I was going around just blessing everywhere. I mean, the, the waitresses in my town loved me. I would tip 100% most of the time. I would go in. If my bill was 50 I'd leave a 50 And I, they, I watched waitresses fight over me when I walked into a restaurant. Later on, the Lord rebuked me a bit and said, you're showing off, stop doing that. But, but I, I mean, I, I just, I had money. Money was just pouring. A thousand bucks a day. And I was loving this. And we, had, we only had five customers at that time. But that was enough to make this thousand bucks a day. And they all worked for one company. And I remember one day, and I thought, nothing could wreck this. I mean, I'm just on my way to victory. You know, this, you know I'm just following the Lord. I'm prospering. This is so awesome. And then one day, a guy's job in Calgary changed. And uh, someone else replaced him. And the five guys who rented from me and rented their equipment from me, they all got fired. And he brought in his friends. And he told all his friends, you're going to rent from this other company who he happened to be a part owner of. So anyways, uh, I lost all my customers in one day. And I remember this, oh my gosh, the lump in my stomach and the fear. And all my equipment came home. And now we're making nothing but we're still spending 1000 bucks a day because I got all these payments to make. And so I'm spending 1000 bucks a day. We didn't have any money because I was just having fun before and giving money away left, right, and center. And just, you know, I was just living the dream when I thought I was rich. Now we have no money, and it's costing me $1,000 a day. And I remember uh, just sinking lower and lower and lower. And pretty soon our credit cards are maxed. And I think was it was a month or a month and a half later, my wife came to me, and she said, Honey, here's the last credit card. Every other one is maxed. I think we had like one hundred fifty to $200,000 on credit cards and, and then tons of debt besides that. Here's the last credit card. There's about, I think, uh, $10,000 left on it, and there's not a chance that any bank will ever give us a credit card. We are done after this is full. So if you need gas or whatever, make sure you use this one. Well, I 
I start sweating. I'm like, man. And I started counting the days. Like, I'm 10 days from bankruptcy. That's how I saw it. I'm 10 days from bankruptcy. And I'm sweating. And I remember I went for a walk, and I just started weeping. And I'm, I'm just terrified. I couldn't sleep at night. I'm knots in my stomach. And this one day, I went for a walk with my wife. And we were walking around the block. And I just broke down crying. And I said, baby, I just want you to know I'm so sorry. I don't know what I was thinking. I was so stupid to even think that we could make it in business. I'm not a very smart person. I should have never gone into business. I'm such an idiot. You know, I'm such a fool. I'm sorry that, you know, here I was in ministry, but I couldn't afford to pay the bills in ministry, and so I lost my ministry, and now I've failed in business. I'm such a loser, and I'm just weeping, and I said, baby, I'm so sorry that you have to be married to such a loser, such a failure, and I'm just bawling. And she looked at me, and she said, honey, you know, I, I thank God that when you're down, something she gets up. How many have a spouse like that? When you're down, she's up. She, she's down, you're up, you know. And I'm in the lowest place. I'm just like, life is done. We're going bankrupt. I said, we're going bankrupt. There's no way out of this. I'm telling you, I've done sales. We can't find any other customers. I'm done. We're going bankrupt. And she looked at me and she said, honey, do you remember that time? And she told me a story about a time that we were in a really tough situation. She said, you remember? And then, and then all of a sudden, the last minute, this happened. Man, and God came through for us. And she said, do you remember the time where we needed this? And, and she rattled off like eight miracles. And some of you need to go back and remember the things that God has done for you. She rattled off in about two minutes. She rattled off eight miracles. And when she was done the eighth miracle, she pointed her finger at me and she said, God always comes through for us. And when she said, God always comes through for us, it was like an arrow pierced my heart. And I burst into tears, and a word of faith just entered into me. And I said, it's true. He does. I don't have a clue how he's going to do it this time. But God always comes through for us. And, and so I, we, we started walking home. I just started saying it again and again. God always comes through for us. God always comes through for us. God always comes through for us. And then I started singing it because I'm not a very good singer, but I like to pretend I am and I like to write songs. I've got all these songs that no one has ever heard. But I started singing this song. I said, God always comes through for us. God always comes through for us. Don't worry about it. Don't doubt it. Don't fuss. God always comes through for us. And I started singing this over and over and over again. Finally, I called a friend of mine who plays the guitar. And remember, we're like now we're seven days from bankruptcy. You know, and I called a friend who plays the guitar. I said, would you come to my house? I need to learn four chords. This is a true story. I said, teach me how to play this song. And I, and I sat in my room and I just sang it. God always comes through for over and over and over. I even wrote a couple of, of uh, verses. See if I can remember the verse. He says, and some of you might need, I, I apologize for my voice, but some of you need to hear this song over you. I'm going to prophesy this over you if I can remember the words. It, said, it went like this. It says, in the middle of your trial... In the middle of your pain, when you've lost all your direction and you just can't find your way, I know God will never let you go. God will always come through for you. When you just can't see the light at the end of the road, when darkness surrounds you, and troubles fall like snow. I know God will never let you go. God will always come through for you. 
Because God always comes through for us. God always comes through for us. Don't worry about it. Don't doubt it. Don't fuss. God always comes through for us. And I sang that song a thousand times for about, over about period of about two, three days. And I watched as I just kept declaring with my mouth, if you say the Lord is my refuge, you might say it a little different. You might say, God always comes through for me. I'm not worried about anything. God always comes through for me. But if you say, and I just kept saying over and over and over again, God always comes through for us. And I remember we were now like whatever it was, like days from bankruptcy and I went to church that Sunday and I was sitting in the place that I always sit and I remember the offering time came and I was you know I'm praying you know I'm like how much to give and I thought Lord you know what I'm a giver and I do I give I sow not just into the church but I sow wherever I sow into missions I sow into people but I also sow into my local church and I I had I had thought you know what I'm going to give you 300 bucks now I don't have 300 bucks I am like I'm like literally I know it's less than 10 days from bankruptcy You know, and all I have is this credit card. But I said, Lord, I said, I love you. I remember this prayer so clearly. I said, Lord, I love you. And I don't have nothing. But I just want you to know, I'm giving you 300 bucks. But in my heart, I said this, in my heart, it's a thousand. It's a thousand. And I said, because, Lord, I know I'm going, it looks like I'm going broke here. But, God, I just want you to know that's the kind of person I am. And if I had the money, that's how I'd like to bless you. That's how I'd like to give. I'd just like to be ridiculously generous. I said, I'm giving you 300. I'm having to borrow it, which I think, I don't even know if that's right. But I'm giving you 300. But I want you to know, Lord, in my heart, it's a 1,000. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he said, well, why don't you then? <laughs> it was, was kind of like, you chicken, <laughs> you know. <laughs> like, what, what do you mean, why don't what do you? Want me to give you 1,000 bucks? And I said, Lord, only one day closer to bankruptcy. <laughs> what difference does it make? And I remember this. I Tears in my eyes. I said, I don't have a clue where this ends, but Lord, here you go. I wrote a check for 1000 bucks. I threw it in the offering plate. And I, this is a true story. I promised to God I didn't get home. This might have been 20 minutes later. I didn't get home from church that day when my phone rang, and this fellow said, Hi, my name's John. I work for EOG. I need two light towers and an office trailer. I've been trying to do sales everywhere. I couldn't get anyone to look at me. He said, I need two light towers and an office trailer. I'm like, I'm on my way. I delivered, you know, like I'd make three trips to bring him three pieces of equipment. And uh, afterwards, he said, man, you, you know, he said, uh, you, you have really good equipment, really good service. Man, you move fast. I'm like, yeah, yeah, well, I really wanted the job, you know. And he said, you do a great job. He said, I'm going to tell my friend Mark about you. Mark ended up calling me the next day. He needed office trailers and light towers, too. But I'll tell you something. Before I left his office, he said, I'll, he said, I'll tell Mark about it. I said, how did you even hear about me? And uh, he said, well, actually, that was kind of weird. I said, well, what happened? You know, because, I mean, I'm doing everything for stuff. He said, I was looking through the directory, and he said, uh, for rentals, and, uh, you know, you're actually, your name is Zinger Rentals. He said, you probably wasn't a smart idea to be Z. You're the last in the phone book, just so you know. But he said, it was the funny thing. I got to the page with the rentals, and it seemed like it was weird. He said, visually, it seemed like your, he said, it seemed like, your ad just popped off the page at me. It was, it was just, it popped. It just popped. So I thought, I'll phone you first. I wept the whole way home. 
Seriously, God, you made my head pop off a page. <laughs> the next day, his friend Mark called me, and he, he rented two light towers and a office trailer. And then a day after that, someone else called just out of the blue. And, you know, within a week, I had all my equipment out again to brand new customers. And this time, they didn't all work for the same company, so I didn't have all my eggs in one basket. And I missed bankruptcy by just a sliver. But it was literally, it was just like, whoa. It was just like that. I actually had to borrow 20 grand from my father-in-law. <laughs> I, just, just to, it, I paid him back. About s- a few months later, I had to wait for the money to come in. But, I mean, I missed bankruptcy by a sliver. But I made a decision that day. I said, I'll never worry about money again. And you know what? I've had a pretty good opportunities uh, over the last uh, 12 years. But I'll tell you something. I haven't. I just don't worry about money. I don't think about money. I sleep like a baby. But I'll tell you something. I watch my mouth because I know that my mouth is the redder of my life. My mouth is the, it it can set a fire that will burn my life down, that'll burn my business down. It'll destroy my relationship with my children. My mouth can destroy my relationship with my wife. My mouth can do all sorts of hell in my life. And your mouth can too. I'll tell you something. If you can't get a hold of your mouth, you need to just wear a muzzle until you can. But you get your mouth headed in the right direction and it will change your life. And so those are two keys, two keys I want to release to you. Number one, give God your money. Just give. I'm not saying you need to sell it all and give to the poor. I'm just saying you make a decision today from this day forward. I am a steward. I am not an owner. Tell me what to do, Jesus, and I will do it. You become a steward, and then number two, you begin to speak life over yourself. You just start walking around now. I pray you just start saying, God always comes through for me. Maybe you need to rewind and listen to that song. Maybe somebody can write me that and play. Miranda, I think you can, you can learn the keys. Maybe we'll get that going for next week or something. But I'll tell you something. You just start singing that. You just start declaring that God always comes through for us. Before I pray, I want to give an invitation to anyone. Someone's watching right now, and you don't know Jesus. And, uh, you know, I haven't even been talking about salvation, but something's stirring in your heart because you want to know the God who actually takes care of his own. I want you to know something. That's the reason I don't worry during times like this is because I know he's obligated to take care of his own. My children aren't worried about whether there's going to be food tomorrow or clothes because they know they have a father who's obligated to take care of them. They are having fun. They're just so glad that school is canceled. Friends, I want you to know I have no fear in my life because I'm his son. I asked the Lord one time. We were so blessed. And I said, Lord, why are you so nice to me? And he said, because you're my boy. And friend, I want you to know something. When you are his child and you walk close to him, you stay close to him, stay under the shadow of his wings, you keep your words right, you don't have to worry about a thing. He will take care of you. But you need to know there's a difference between Knowing God and not knowing God. The, the Bible says that, that he makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. If you're a part of the family of God, he will protect you. You get outside of that, and friend, I'm just, I'm sorry to say, you're not in a safe place. If you don't know Jesus Christ, I want to tell you, this is a moment right now. You can ask Jesus Christ to come into your life. You can invite him in right now. You can kneel, and I pr- I'd ask you to kneel. 
You know, a lot of people don't kneel anymore. We need to get on our knees. People need to bow their knee to the Son of God. Maybe say, I'm a big, tough guy. That's not my style. Well, then you know what? You big, tough guy, you're going to go through some pretty big, tough difficulties. But if you can bow your knee to the Son of God, I'll tell you something. He's going to take your life. He is going to take you in a whole new place. And so I encourage you, wherever you are right now, if you would pray with me, if you see, feel the Holy Spirit stirring your heart and you want to give your life away, and yeah, it's a big decision. It's not just a little thing. Well, you know, maybe I'll, you know, maybe I'll start going to church once in a while. No, this is a big decision. It means I don't own my life anymore. If you're willing to give your life away, I want you to pray this prayer with me. I would ask that you would kneel wherever you are. Get on your knees. Kneel before the Son of God and pray this prayer with me after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. I confess I am a sinner. I have failed. I have made mistakes. I've broken your heart. I've hurt others. I've hurt myself. I've hurt you. But I believe in Jesus. And I believe that you sent your son to die for me so that I wouldn't have to die myself. He paid the price. His punishment was my punishment. I accept that. I believe that. And I receive that today. I'm asking you, Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Wash me. Cleanse me. I know I can't do life without you. I invite you into my life. Help me to hear your voice. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I don't own myself anymore. I belong to you. Hold my hand. Take me wherever you want to go. I'm yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it from your heart, I want you to know God absolutely heard it. He will not deny you. He has said yes to you. You have a home in heaven. Now, there's more. If you'll say yes to him, if you'll begin walking closely to him, if you begin to meditate on his word, start reading the Bible every single day. Start in the New Testament. I always recommend people start in the book of John. John was Jesus' very best friend. He has a revelation of the love of God that is absolutely unimaginable. Start reading the scriptures. Start meditating on them. Start talking to him. And just keep feeding like you're doing right now. You're watching messages where people preach the word of God. Find a good church. Start, start heading out there. Get to know people. But start walking with God today. And I promise you, you are absolutely going to love where it takes you. And I'd encourage you to. Oh, yeah, by the way, I forgot to mention this. I'll say this. Uh, I have a book. Usually I say, hey, meet me at the back table. And, you know, I got some books. It's called Access Granted. It's all about pursuing the presence of God. It's all about the kingdom of God. And uh, uh, you can't buy it today unless you want to go on Amazon. Uh, you could get it. But uh, I think Chris might mention something afterwards. But I'll tell you this. If you want the audio version, I'll give it to you for free. Just shoot me an email and I'll send you a link. Feedback at oilpatchpulpit.com. 
Uh, that's my email address. And just say, Steve, I want the free audio version. And, uh, and we'll send that to you. I'll send you a link. I actually had one woman email me, and she said, I don't have a clue what your book is about, but you have the most soothing voice, and I use it to fall asleep every night. <laughs> she had listened to chapter one about 50 times. So uh, <coughs> I hope that you don't use it for a sleeping pill. But I'll tell you something. It's a really great recording. It's a really good book. It'll get you saying yes to God. It'll help you see the kingdom in a whole new way. I know it'll bless you. And also, if you want just more kingdom preaching, kingdom teaching, check out my website, oilpatchpulpit.com. I got over 100 messages there for you. It's all free. And so you can go there and watch some more messages. But thank you so much. It's such an honor to be able to be here at Spruce Grove. I'm looking to forward to coming sometime when you have a little bit larger crowd. But it was, we were, I was planned to come here before this outbreak. I just want you to know, they didn't just invite me when they found out only eight people were going to be in the room. I was actually invited when they were going to have a few, full crowd, but things shifted. And, uh, but uh, this has been wonderful, and I hope it was a blessing to you. you know, I've sure been blessed to be here. God bless you, and uh, I'll pass this off to uh, Pastor Chris. So today, just as we close, I want to release that amen. And I pray that your heart, everything inside you, would really begin to agree with this. When Jesus came to the earth, when, when he was born, God sent angels, and their, their, their message was this. Goodwill. 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 I don't know what you know about God. I don't, under, I don't know what you understand about Christian faith. But God is looking for reasons to bless you. God's looking for reasons, excuses to be generous to you, to pour out upon you. He's not withholding. He's not stingy. He's not unlikely. He is exacting in many ways. But he's looking for any reason at all to bless you. Any reason at all. And so I pray today, I pray today that your faith would grab a hold of the goodness of God. The goodwill of God. God came to a dying world and said, listen, peace and goodwill to you. So we say today, let the blessing of God be upon you. May your face and his face turn toward each other. And may you experience the life-giving presence of the Almighty King and Lord and Ancient of Days as he loves you with an everlasting love. Bless you.